Hey everybody, it's that time of year, and uh, we had a little uh, Christmas music to start out the Dewan Marrero podcast today. And uh, let's bring Dewan in right now. Dewan, how you been? I'm, I'm well. Good morning. Happy I'm, to see you. Happy to be here in the region. And uh, all the good things about the region, is, uh, does it seem like the holidays to you? It sure does, man. There it is. We just heard it, right? Let's hear it again. There it is. Hey, uh, let's get right to it. We got plenty of good basketball going on. It's a good time of year, right? It's basketball time. And we got some pretty good high school teams going around here, too. And we are honored to have a specific high school coach who's been around for a little while, huh? Future Hall of Famer or current Hall of Famer, I would say. Uh, one of the best coaches in Indiana. Uh, one of the top coaches who winning percentage is over 500. He's starting the season 3-0 and right now. Got a big game Saturday. Um, against Brownsburg in Indianapolis, the one and only uh, Chesterton's uh, head coach, Coach Mark Urban. Good morning. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Thanks for calling in, Coach. Uh, for the Dewan Marrero podcast, he lets me sit in here from time with, to time. With Jim D'Lo. There you go, big time. He coached 3-0 and right now. What's your team look like, man? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you want to be three and zero to start if you can. Uh, you know, the Elkhart win was uh, a good one because we got a lot of fresh faces, and then uh, you know, played the scored the ball really well against Morton, and then uh, you know, Saturday was a really good test against a really good team uh, that I think can make a you know can make a run in three A. Um, you know, we're down fifteen, and you know, Parrish kind of went crazy there, and Justin made some big plays, and you know, found a way to come back and win by three. So. Off to a good start, but we know there's a long way, a uh, long road ahead of us. How good is South Bend St. Joseph's, by the way? I, I didn't... They're really yeah. Go ahead. No, they're they're really good. They're um they they've been young for the past two years. Um they they um the Chase Kinesi kid, his brother plays at Notre Dame uh, junior. Then the uh, Shrewsbury, when he came over, uh, brought his kid with, and uh, he's a sophomore, and he's uh you know his brothers obviously playing Notre Dame, and then they have a. And both of those kids are, are really good players, and they made uh, they made some really tough shots. But then their their role guys are really good. They have a kid that's super athletic, that's playing, uh, going to go play baseball at Notre Dame next year. And I mean, he was he was really really athletic and made some shots. So they were just they you know I, I felt we guarded them well at times. They just hit a lot of tough shots, and then you know there were some times that we did some dumb things, and you know you can't do that against good teams. So, but it was a really good you know really good easy uh, early season test for us. That was on Saturday. That was uh, Chesterton, 75, and uh, South Bend, St. Joe's, 72. We would have loved to have seen that game, video of that game. Coach, um, typically I'll talk a little bit in the beginning and then kind of get out of the way, but uh, you've been around. I'm looking on uh, John Harrell's site. It says your eighth year at Chesterton. It's kind of hard to believe. It went pretty quickly. But uh, give us a little rundown of your resume. You've coached some other places, too. Where was that? Yeah, so I started off in college. I was a manager for uh, Roy Swaldman at Indiana State. And, uh, you know, any advice to any kid that was trying to get into coaching, I'd say try to go be a manager because you you get to learn everything. And I was very fortunate to work around some really good, you know, coaches. And Coach Waltman was, uh, he was, he was he was great. He was the best. And then, um, you know, Dave Malaznik hired me on um, at Lake Central and I worked with him for six years and really was, um, you know, coach freshman, coach JV was his varsity assistant. And then uh, the girls' job came open at Lake Central and, um, you know, took took that. Never coached girls. I really enjoyed it. 
uh, had a really good group of girls and, you know, we had some success. And then when this job came open, like, I, I don't think I'd get this job if I didn't, um, if I didn't take the girls job. And, uh, you know, so I've been here for eight years now and it's, you know, it's going quick. Um, but, uh, I'm having, I'm having fun and, you know, Chester's a great place, great place and great people. And, you know, we're, we're having fun. Coach Dewan here. Uh, let's rewind and, and go back to South Bend St. Joe's. Obviously, um, Tyler Parrish had 30 points again. And as a coach for you and, and that grueling game on the road, I believe you guys won in overtime. Um, what is that? How does that feel as a head coach? And, you know, how do you feel about your, your team and staff after you kind of win that war on the road? Yeah, I think it's just, um, you know, we. I, I really, uh, I'm sure a lot of people say too, but I really enjoy our um, our players and I really enjoy our coaches. Um, and, and, you know, Tyler Parrish is just he's so fun to coach, um, you know, along with Justin and, you know, everybody else we have. But, you know, he, he's ever since he's been fifth, sixth grade, you know, when I first got the job, he just, he's always had this little, this instinct that he just, when he gets going, he gets going. And, and uh, you know, for us to be down uh, like we were it, and, um, you know, with the young teams, we're starting, you know, freshmen, um, starting two other sophomores and Justin and Tyler and, and got a few sophomores coming off the bench and, and, you know, he, um, you know, for us to figure out a way to come back was, was exciting. Uh, you go back and watch and there's a lot of things that we have to get better at, uh, because we're not going to be able to get away with that with some teams we're going to play, but it was, you know, for being, uh, being early in the season, it was, you know, pretty exciting, you know, just, just understanding, Hey, we found a way to dig it out. Now we got to figure out a way to get better. Cause we got a big test Saturday down in Brownsburg. Yeah, I was looking at that. Uh, you're going, you got at Brownsburg, and then you got EC Central on Drain and Penn at home. So you're going to have some pretty good tests uh, coming yeah. up. Uh, Coach, uh, you mentioned your staff. Who coaches with you? So uh, Tim Ray's been with me for, I think, uh, six of my eight years. Uh, his son's actually the freshman that's playing for us right now and um, shooting the ball really well. And then Adam White's been with me the whole time. Uh, he's my JV coach. He's been great. And then uh, we, when uh, Matt Bowen just joined our staff, he was assistant at Valparaiso University with uh, Coach Lottich for a few years. He actually worked back at back like uh, he was a Division II head coach for about 12 years. And then prior to that, he was back at Valpo. So when they let go, he, he, uh, we kind of talked. And, you know, his daughter goes to uh, Valpo and just, you know, didn't want to chasing the college thing you know for her sake for a little while which is great and you know he's been a great addition and then uh my freshman coach uh drew botel he played at valpo uh does a great job and then jake warren's my freshman assistant who played for me so i got a very well-rounded uh staff that you know kind of keep me in line which is which is good coach what's the the key piece you would say for your responsibility to make sure to to have a successful program like you've been having in the past years and obviously you're you're when when the losses column speaks volume, but what are those responsibilities that you take on just to have a very successful program like Chesterton? Yeah, I think I think you know I've um, you know one you know our my, our administration allows me to do do my job. They don't micromanage me at all. Um, I got a really good strength coach in Matt Wagner that does a fantastic job with our guys. Uh, and then I think just you know the the relationships that that I build with you know that we build with. You know our, our players right now, but our you know our middle school players and our second through sixth grade and our kindergarten through first. You know you just you try to you know just get as deep in with those guys you can, and then the, the you know the biggest thing is, is just try to be as truthful as you can with with kids and you know make sure you treat them right. And 
you know, uh, you know, we're going to do our, our, you know, we're going to go about our business, you know, the way we feel is right. And we're going to hold everybody accountable. And, you know, and it's, you know, it's work for us, but I think it kind of takes, uh, you know, takes some of the things that, you know, whatever, I mean, everybody's got problems, but it, it kind of just keeps everybody in line uh, just with the, the way we go about it of, you know, holding everybody accountable. Coach, I was looking at some of the past seasons and going through the Tom Peller years. I know one year I think he had two wins. And you go back a little ways. I mean, you guys have had some really good football uh, tradition. Has, I mean, what did it take to kind of say, hey, we want to be a basketball powerhouse? I mean, even now some of the old-timer basketball purists they're like, wow, Chesterton, especially here in Lake County, are they, you know, is that really a basketball school? I think in Porter County, you've certainly recognized it, that. But what did it take to kind of maybe change a little bit of the paradigm there? Yeah, I think it's, you know, the, the you know, the when we got the job, um, you know, the, the mentality was like, you know, we're, we're going to try to be the best program in the state and we're going to be relentless. And, you know, they, there's been, um, you know, there's been a lot of talent that's been through here. Uh, throughout the years and you know it's just really just a mindset of this is what we're going to go we're going to do and we're going to go chase um i know that's loud for you right now but um you know we're just going to go you know chase the best very best version of us and uh we're going to do it the way we feel right and um you know we've been and we've you know kind of you know kind of got things rolling right now so it's you know it's yeah yeah the past you know what been here before but you know there for for us, it's like, what are we doing right now with our program, and in what direction do we want uh, do we want it to go? And you know, I think we've we've done a pretty good job with that so far. And you know, the challenge is just to figure out a way to keep it going. Coach Tyler Parrish, what do you have? Five three pointers against uh, South Bend St. Joe. He's running your point. Is that like having another coach on the floor? Or? And he's player of the week too. Yeah, he's player of the week too. I mean, how how good is he? You know, I I, uh, I know that the, the recruiting process right now for high school kids is um, is really difficult because um, you know college guys they got they have to win. You know they they got to they got to win, and you know the 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 level he's at, I think um, you know it, it's difficult because those guys they want you know hey I want guys that are going to play for us now because if we bring you in and we got to develop you, you know um, you might leave. You know, and uh, but with Tyler, I, I think if this was you know, back Rico, when you were playing, I think you would have five or six Division One offers at least right now because he's he's uh I I feel he's a he's a Division One player. He's just he um you know he's six three, he's super athletic. Um, you know he's he's got that it factor. He's he's you know got a uh, edge about him that that you need to have. And uh, you know he can handle it. He can shoot it. He can shoot it on the move. Uh, he can finish at the rim. And and you know he's a great kid and gets great you know really good grades and represents you know, our program in the, the best way possible. So, like, it's, um, you know, for him, he just – the, the good thing is he's just going to keep his chip on his shoulder here, and, and that's when he's, just, you know, at his best. But he's he's a special uh, special player, and, you know, he's he's fun to coach. I mean, we there's a lot of times we go back and forth, and we'll get into it in a good way. And, you know, it's just because we're both, you know, want to win. But um, I, I'll take as many Tyler Parrish as I possibly can. Coach, he's a senior, right? He is a senior, he's yeah. He's a senior, and – I remember finishing up my junior year going into to be a senior in, in high school and with my coach, with Marvin, God rest his soul, the conversations are different, right? What was kind yeah. of the, the, the motivation or the 
conversation you gave Tyler going into his senior season with the unprecedented times with college basketball and just recruitment in general, but what was some confidence you, you gave him or some life lessons you taught him going into this, this season? Yeah, he's, you know, it's, uh, and that's the one thing that like, uh, you know, I said before is the relationships I have with my kids. Like I feel like they're my kids where I, where I'm truthful with them and where, where he went through, you know, Charlie Hughes, when we went down to Charlie Hughes and we got beat by a combined, I think 101 or 107 points and we got blasted and he wasn't, he wasn't great. Um, got into AU uh, and just kind of got in a weird mix where, like, he was playing in the spring and then didn't play much in the, you know, in July and it was kind of goofy. He was he was pretty down and I and, and you know he came over and we met in my garage for about two hours and just told him like, hey, I, I don't know if you're working hard enough yet and just kind of you know laid it on to him pretty thick and and um, you know ever since you know then not that he wasn't working hard but you know Rico you know what it takes to yeah. work at the next level like. You know, there's a difference of like, hey, you're working, or you're like, you're putting in like relentless effort type work, and and he really kind of went to that level. And then you know, we got into the season, and I said, hey, let's let's get your weight up. So he's you know he's put on some weight, uh, added some things to his game, and then you know just said, hey, you just gotta you gotta figure out a way to dive into this team and don't um, you know don't don't act like you know don't don't predetermine what you think's gonna happen. You just gotta stay in the moment and enjoy it. Because the one thing you're at Chester that like I really love, like. And I mean this is like the little kids, like he can walk around town and kids know who he is. You know, and That's it's, awesome. and, it's um, and, and there's like, like you know, there's people that throughout the community just know who he is. I'm like, it's not like that everywhere. It's just not. Right. Like, or you're going to you know, so embrace it, man. Like you're going to live a, like a high school legend here for, uh, you know, a year. And then, you know, but but embrace that and, and just, you know, let yourself go. And you got to put yourself in team and just keep doing, you know, what you do. And, you know, us as a team, if you continue to win – you know, then you continue to put yourself on stages that, you know, there's more eyes on. So, you know, and, and I think and we've talked and I've had a few coaches, um, you know, uh, your buddy at uh, Miami, Ohio came in and was very Christian. Truthful. Christian Smith. Yeah, Christian came in. Yeah, Christian came in and, and was very, uh, you know, very true. He's like, I like him, but he had, but you could feel it. They're like, I just want to wait till free agency and see what we need. Right. You know, and then, uh, you know, Lou Gadino from Ball State came in and, and I like Lou a lot and got a lot of respect for him. And he, he said the same thing. He's like, I think you guys are both Division One players. He's like, am I recruiting you guys right now? No. If I cross you off my list, no. He said, but, like, we just have to see what we're going to have. There's a lot of coaching changes. So just trying to, you know, keep him in a positive, you know, frame, uh, you know, mind frame. And he's got some really good offers. Like, Marion, you know, they're they're very, um, you know, it's a very good program. Boomer at uh, Purdue Northwest. I love Boomer. I think he's, you know, he's got, he's doing a good job there. And, you know, Grace College is number one in the country. And, you know Bethel's good as well, so they have they have offers. I just know that they're in their mind they're they're just you know kind of sitting in and letting their season play out and see what happens. I'm looking right now, IBCA uh, Player of the Week, and uh, Tyler uh, was uh, scored 30 points against uh, Morton, and he was 12 for 17 from the field. Certainly uh, hitting from outside. Also had five three pointers against SBSJ. Coach, it sounds like uh, Portal, NIL, all that game is changing pretty quickly. How does that affect your job? Um, you know, it, I, honestly, one is it, it makes you feel good to be a high school coach um, where in, in a way like, you know, you know Coach Bowen here and you kind of hear some of the, the you know, just the Division One stories and what they have to, you know, kind of deal with and how much they have to work with NIL, which is great. Like, it's like that, that's, you know, but it's, but it's, 
you know, ideal high school basketball right now is, is pure for, for us, you know, and, and we're just kind of, you know, it's, I'm enjoying coaching them. You know, we got good kids, so it's kind of enjoying it. But as far as the, you know, with the portal and all that stuff and with high school recruiting, it's, it's also extremely stressful because you want to do, you want to, you want to make sure that your guys get into the best spot, you know, possible. Cause Justin Sims is, is, you know, he's got the same offers. He just doesn't have Purdue Northwest that, um, you know, Tyler has, and, and he's, he's in the same boat. I mean, he's a really good basketball player and you, you just, you know, you want to try to put those guys in a position that they could, you know, obviously financially for the parents make it right, but then also, you know, put them in a position that they could have some success in life. Coach is always nervous that that senior year, rather that's high school, college, right? You you start to yep. go through a little bit of unknown because when you're a senior um, or a junior, you look forward to that following year, but you can't now, right? And I remember mm-hmm. my college coach um, told me like, hey, man, you know, we're entering the Ohio Valley Conference postseason and he like, man, just leave it out on the floor and the rest will take care of itself. And and I have no doubt, you know, you're giving that same spiel to the kids. And you guys got Steve Lynch at Brownsburg yes, on the do. road. Um, what's the message to the team this week? Because uh, Steve Lynch, I think, is going on close to a decade there and uh, very beloved in the uh, Brownsburg community. Drew Tower, the uh, athletic director there, is a great friend of mine. And uh, he's looking forward to hosting you this uh, Saturday. And they have a game yeah. Friday against Pike. So yeah, hopefully I know. Uh, great. they should great. be tired. <laughs> We're hoping. I'm going to go with in like 12 overtime. Um, but, no, Coach Lynch is awesome. I, I've kind of just, uh, you know, through Coach Swan a little bit, got to know him a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we've just kind of – we've kind of hit it off. And he, I think we're, we're very similar in how we go about things in a way. And, uh, he does a great job uh, with his team. And they're, they're, they got a really good team again. They're really well – like he, he does a really good job with them. And they, you know, kind of – you have to stay dialed into the possession because they, they, they find ways to, uh, you know, just, just kind of take advantage of the way that you're guarding them. So it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a great test for us. Like I said, I, you know, you're three and oh, but it's like, you know, the, um, you know, like that, it doesn't really mean anything. It just means you're going down there three and oh, and you got to, you know, dive back in and, you know, it's, it's going to be good for us to go through a full scout because, you know, with, with, South Bend St. Joe, it was a quick morning one, so we've got a few days here where we could really dive in and, you know, with our, with the, you know, guys really haven't had to go, some of the guys we haven't had to go through that, so um, I'm excited to go through that process with our guys, but it's a great opportunity to go down there and, you know, I like trying to get our guys, um, you know, around the state as much as possible, you know, go down to Fishers and play Lawrence Central and, you know, there's teams from all over the state, uh, you know, just trying to get get our guys as much, much exposure, but also, you know, get us you know, as tested as we possibly can going through the year. Coach, uh, what's the region look like this year? It's good, man. It's really good. I think it's, um, you know, the, the, you know, if you just look at just our conference in general, um, you know, Crown Point, uh, you know, they're, they're young, but they got a, they got a lot of guys like Central's off to a really good start. Uh, you know, Portage returned a lot of, uh, a lot of kids. They got, a, you know, Jalen Jr. All-Stars and they got, you know, three kids that have been, start for them, uh, you know, since they were freshmen. So they, they got a lot back. Um, you know, Valparaiso was, you know, uh, you know, Coach Liskey, you know, him starting there with, you know, you got Division One player in Jack Smiley. So, it, you know, Maribel's, you know, I know they, they beat, uh, got uh, more than pretty good last night. So, you know, our conference and our sectionals, I think if there's, you know, there's no one that's like head of shoulders above the next. It's going to be very competitive. And then, you know, outside there's always good teams. That, you know, I know uh, – uh, you know, Westside, I know they're young and they're going to continue to get better. 
Um, you know, I haven't seen Hammond Central yet and, and what they're doing, but it's, uh, you know, region basketball is always, uh, it's always fun. You know, Munster, I think, is really good, too. I know they, they lost to Bishop Noel, but, you know, we scrimmage them. And, you know, Coach Hackett always does a really good job. And, you know, they're, uh, I think David Cundiff's a really good player. And, um, you know, I'm excited for him to go play with Travis up at Spring Arbor. Uh, they'll have fun together. But, uh, no, it's it's good. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to kind of dive in and, and just let the let it play out throughout the year. How does it feel to be uh, one of the guys that's getting a little longer in the tooth? You were the young guy on the on the circuit for a while. Now you're uh, you're halfway to Hackett right now. How's that feel? Oh, I'm 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 a long way from Hackett. Hey guys, look forward to playing you too, Coach. <laughs> you know, Chesterton's on the schedule is a different type of momentum going in the um, oh, Trojans no territory. Question. No, there's no question, and, and it's and it's uh, it's what you want, right? You, you want to. Uh, uh, you know, you, you want, you want that. And, and then, you know, you're getting everybody's best shot, you know, and, and it's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun, you know, and it's, it's, um, you know, but it also, you gotta be on point every single, uh, every single day. But I think our guys really embrace it. They, um, you know, you, you gotta work for it. And, um, you know, it's, it's what, you know, it's what makes it fun. Coach, I'm gonna hit you with a question I was reading. Cause Kyle, who writes for the Indy star is one of my good friends and, Okay. Um, does a phenomenal job, and there was a column that I, I read this morning, and I'm actually you. It was a, a lot of anonymous coaches um, that Kyle put um, in his column, and he and he said, "What change would you make to the high school basketball? What what changes would you make to high school basketball to make it a better experience for the players?" And that was a column that Kyle had, and a lot of the coaches were anonymous, um, but uh-huh. it mainly pertained to you know having a shot clock for us. But what's your thoughts? That's why I wanted to ask you that question. Yeah. I- you know, I, I'm the, the the thing with the shot clock, and I know people go crazy about it. Is like the 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 way that they change the with the five fouls. I think the the biggest change with the five fouls right now is there's not a lot of breaks in the game. Like I I feel like our guy like there's not a lot of unless you get fouled shooting, you just keep going. Where like you usually get a one to one, you get a chance to like like settle in a little bit, which has been a little different. But if they if they do add that, I I would be totally fine with the, the shot clock just because. You know they they put that rule in, and it's like there there's no um, you know they're like well Kyle women's does it well I'm like they also play like ten minute quarters and they do um, you know and there there's a shot clock with it the NBA there's a twenty four second shot clock and they play twelve minutes we play eight minutes where it 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 uh, it's like that changed a little bit and, and for me with the shot clock it's not necessarily uh, shooting like quicker I don't I don't know how much it impacts the pace of the game. But I think that it, it comes down to, um, you know, can you get a stop? You know, can you can you execute? Uh, can you execute your system and can you make plays? Where, you know, where I, I you know, the, the the fun part about high school is you can manipulate the the way that you uh, the game goes a little bit. You know, if you want to slow it down, if you want to take some air out of the ball, if you want to play fast, you got that right. Where if now you get into where you do have a shot clock, all right, we don't have to think about the foul game or we don't have to play. You know, as um, maybe as much junk defense or whatever you want to call, it. but like I got, we have to dig in. And the bottom line, Rico, I gotta get a stop, and I gotta try to guard you. You're probably gonna, you know, you're probably gonna score on me, and we'll probably lose. And then I won't want the shot clock. But that that'd be one thing that I would, uh, I'd be okay with. You know, for, from that standpoint, I don't, I don't think it's necessary. Like, hey, we don't need a shot clock. I, I don't know necessarily think that scoring goes up, but I, I do like the fact of like I gotta get a stop. And you got to score. That's why I like the uh, the thing they do in the summer, where the, the target score, 
uh, we play that in the like we'll play that in, in the fall a little bit. We'll we'll put five minutes on the clock, play, and then we add seven or you know nine to whatever it is, and you go play the target score, and it, it gets it gets really competitive. I, I I do like watching that. Not that we'll ever do that, but I do like that. Coach Bob Knight died November first of this year. Um, you you grew up in a time where he was the bomb in Indiana. Did you take anything from his coaching techniques? Well, so that when I. W- when I worked with Coach Waltman at Indiana State, Coach Waltman was an assistant for Bobby Knight. Um, in 19, I know it's for four years, but I know he was with them in 1987 when they won the national championship. So, um, where where you know I've met Coach Knight one time, you know, just a handshake, you know, kind of thing, and and I answered the phone one time when I was a manager. He uh, uh, he called me, and said, "Knight, I need to talk to Roy." So I'm like, "Okay," um, but I, he was. Um, from you know, Coach Waldman, I, I always felt connected in a weird way to Coach Knight, uh, just because Coach Waldman was was a lot like um, a lot like Coach Knight, you know, and and, I, and he held everybody accountable. I mean, I was a you know a manager, and, and you know, it didn't matter if you were a manager or the best player, you were going to get held accountable, and uh, you know, but it made you better. And, and he was so good at teaching the game of basketball. Um, he was he was so good in a scout. And like, and he would get on the assistants where I was, where I'd always be like, man, I'm, I'm like, I, I always like kind of put that in my little side pocket, like make sure you're right and you don't lie to the kids on things that you don't really know. And uh, he sent me up scout one time because I was a manager to go watch a division two up at Chicago State, and uh, it was like my first time ever scouting. And, and he came back and he said, you know, called me over and sat me down and like wanted to hear about it. And I'm like. I was as nervous as you possibly could be because I'm like I've seen these assistants get yelled at uh, when they're wrong, and I'm like I'm like I got to be right. But you know I always felt connected to him through Coach Waltman just because they were very similar in in a lot of ways. But you know Coach Knight, I mean he he, he I don't think there's another person that's impacted uh, you know the game and especially you know in the Indiana more than uh, more than he did. And I think it's one reason that you know all of us Indiana guys you know just love basketball so much is you know, the rivalry with Purdue and IU and just how it was, how, how fun, uh, how much it meant to people. And I think that's what, you know, Indiana's all about is basketball means means something to people, and that's, that's, that's what makes it fun. Well, it's a pleasure, Coach. You know, I know I know you're a busy guy, and thank you for talking to D-Lo and I, and we don't want to keep you too long, but good luck in Brownsburg territory. I, it, I got man. you going undefeated this year, um, going <laughs> oh, into 24. So, um, yeah. That's, that's who I'm rolling with. Uh, so I appreciate that, and I appreciate Tyler and Justin and the rest of the unit. Yeah, no, I appreciate what you guys do. And, you know, Rico, you do you do such a good job with, uh, you know, our guys and trying to promote, you know, our guys, region guys and all those guys. And, you know, I know our guys appreciate that. When, you know, you reach out to Tyler, he texts me right away, like, what should I say? I was like, well, just tell him. Like, what do you mean? What should you say? But he was, uh, he was excited about it. All right, Coach, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. All right, we'll talk to you guys. Thanks a lot. It's uh, Coach Mark Urban of the Chesterton Trojans. Yeah, top ten. Top ten in 4A right now in the state. And I was like, when I saw the, the Tyler new Tyler Paris, John, was it Justin Sim. Sims? Yeah, both of those guys at the top of their game. Hey. They're coming to play. And you know what? South Bend St. Joe with Shrewsbury's uh, kid in there. And yeah. um the baseball player, and I had heard they were nearly unbeatable. Yeah. And he took them down. It, it's a great five, poker. Five, five threes by Tyler Parrish didn't hurt anything. It, it was almost like a, 
I'm always going for the coach, right? I, I got to see who the coach is, and I make my educated guess. And um, that was like me watching FAU versus Illinois yesterday. I was going for Underwood over Dusty May um, yesterday because it was in New York. Well, where was it? I think it was New York. Was it New York? I, I it did was, not. I watched the IU-Michigan last night. Who won that game? IU wound up winning 78-75, but they, they had a lot of – I mean, you could just see Woodson just getting so upset at Bad entry passes. I, I texted Billy Baker, my buddy. I'm like, doesn't anybody teach how yeah. to throw the entry pass to where? All they had to do is get it to that guy, man. He's mm-hmm. unstoppable at times I, now. I wish I would have placed some, some bets because I was right. I, I had Woodson over Michigan and um, Underwood over Dusty May. But Johnnell Davis, who's a graduate from 21st century, had 19 points last night. Oh, he did? Yeah, he had a stunning game. And um, – He's been producing very efficient these past few games. I actually tweeted about him. So I just wanted to give a special shout-out to John L. Davis for having 19 against Illinois and Brad Underwood's defense. You know, he did pretty well last year too, didn't he? Yeah, he he was like preseason player of the year, I think, believe for his conference. Don't know the remaining context, but um, he's been having a lot of success and accolades since he's been at FAU. You know, I've been uh, watching the Boilers a lot. You know, I have Don Fisher on on, uh, Monday mornings and – uh, that's a different story. Let's stay with IU right, right. now. Uh, Xavier's out right now, and that hurts them. And you got to have Trey Galloway playing the point. That's what a six-seven guy who's, you know, he's hardly a two. He's almost a three. And then you ask him to bring the ball up, and they're going to have trouble. But they're seven and one right now, and you know, Woodson just has them. He just ekes out the games, man. It's it's a grind. I mean, Gabe Cups is a grinder. He's one of my favorite players. I have, have hey, the... could you get him to stand up straight? By the way, who Gabe Cups doesn't he seem like yeah. he's always hunched over? Yeah, like where the... is he? And then he stands up straight, and he's like three. He's like three inches taller. You know, I Gabe Cups is a grinder. I didn't expect for him to go to IU, but I know his dad was a huge IU fan, and um, Woodson got to get it done by any means because if he doesn't. Those those IU fans, you know, crowded New York over Thanksgiving break, and I watched those games, and all you saw was red in the in the crowd, and uh, when they played against UConn, you know, and um, it's going to be entertaining. I'm looking forward to them playing Purdue. Um, I have Purdue over IU this this year. I wish Rayfield Davis was here to. Uh, Man, did he look good the other day? I texted him on the show. Did you? He he had Monday night on the Big Ten Network. Ray Fell's been on this podcast, and he's been down here to Jed TV, WJOB. And he was, you know, sometimes they have two analysts there, right. but it was a Monday night, so they only had him, and they kept throwing it to him. But And then there was only one game, so they kept coming back to him. From I, I watched him at, like, you know, 6 o'clock before the uh, Purdue game. And then I was going to the bathroom at like 10.30 at night, and he was still on. But I texted him. I'm like, man, he was showing a lot of confidence. He's they were much better than last year this year. He just hit it. I mean, he's much better this year than he was last year. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily better. I just think he feels way more confident. confident. He looks right at the camera, and I forget who was, who was uh, basically the host. And they're like, Rafael, what do you think about Michigan? Boom. And he goes right into how difficult it is to have Martelli on the bench and then Juwan Howard as an assistant now. And certainly uh, he was right, man, because you, gotta, you get the feeling like last night it was a home game for Michigan. 
And with Juwan Howard out, you know, he's been their spiritual leader. Martelli's a great coach. Right. Uh, he was, uh, was he, where was he before? Was it Cornell or somewhere out east? And uh, he's a great coach, but, you know, Juwan Howard's the guy. And he wasn't, you know, they were not able to push it across. And Michigan's now four and five uh, right now, by the way. Yeah. It's, I have a lot of IU coworkers, and, and, you know, they're on the fence because they just don't know what to expect. Seven and one, man. Yeah. But, but IU's got some tough games coming up. They have Kansas. Um, let's see. Indiana is at Auburn on Saturday, and then they have Kansas at Indiana. So they got Auburn, Kansas as their next two games. Yeah, they they have a godless schedule. What you think about the Boilermakers at Northwestern and, and Evanston? Oh. I was talking to um Yachtley. Boo Boo, he's too good, man. They're paying him some good dough over there too. Yeah. Hopefully I think he's staying another year. <laughs> he's already what he's almost twenty four now. Yeah. And he looks old. Yeah. You looks- know, Kuziak was in here and he was talking about how that's changed the game. The one and done's at eighteen. And then you got a 23-year-old guy. He may not be the one that's going to go play in the NBA, but 23 versus 18 makes a big difference. And one and done isn't running college basketball as much anymore. No, it's not. And uh, this year's draft class is going to be pretty weak, um, unfortunately. And I think the number one player for some drafts are is this kid named Jacoby Walters from Baylor. Um, they, they have him projected number one. And, yeah, this, this draft class will be pretty interesting, and you'll see a lot of more mid-20s um, in college basketball next year. Hey, uh, he's Dewan Marrero. I'm Jim Dilo. It's the Dewan Marrero Podcast. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, we uh, record live here in the Jed TV studios in Hammond, Indiana, on the campus of Purdue Northwest and the Streck and Van Til studios. It's December 6th. So we can actually take phone calls if you're driving around and you want to talk basketball with DeJuan Marrero and me, Jim Dedlo. Hey, you're on the air. How are you? Yeah, I'll be sad next year when the Northwestern students don't get to storm the court against Purdue because I don't think they'll have a home game against them next year. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but just think what they're going to have on the other side of that. Down at Purdue? No, I mean they're gonna. I mean the new facilities that are going in up there. Yeah, it's a lot of dough being poured it's in. A lot of dough in man. Evanston. Yeah, the football field. Uh, yeah, they'll have a nicer football field. Yeah, I'm not sure if the basketball. The basketball state of art. Have you been over there? A whole lot. No. It's yeah, a, yeah, I've been in there. Yeah. So it's like it's LED. A, it's really nice. All Big Ten schools have been renovated. Uh, besides, I love Mackey. I hope Mackey stays Mackey. And IU stays IU. Don't upgrade the facilities like eternally like Wisconsin. When I went to a Wisconsin game, it's like I was going to the Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. It just it kind of just ruins the college experiment, like experience. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. Big Ten basketball. You know, they play the like all teams. They play the you know the lesser schools at the beginning of the year, and you can't really get a read on how good they are, and then they sort of beat each other up in uh, league play, and then they crash and burn in the tournament always year after year. So, it's a, you know, we never really know how good these teams are until they get to the to the NCAA tournament. But it's a, you know, it's a fun, fun ride along yeah, the way. Well, you saw the other day, uh, was it last night, two nights ago? It's all running together. Uh, Purdue beat Iowa on Monday night. And, uh, by double digits. By double digits, and uh, they they didn't need Edie as much, obviously, 
But he only had like 23.9 minutes or something like that. I, I got to believe that this year, you know, Painter was playing him 30-plus almost every night uh, last year. I, I think that took a little toll on him. I'd love to see him pull his numbers down to about 25 minutes a, a game. What do you think? Yeah, he gets, uh, you know, he gets hacked and beat up pretty good during the regular season, and anything you can do to preserve him for the uh, tournament will be a good thing. Uh, you know, I think the challenge for Purdue has been for a little while, well, at least last year, uh, has been the guards. You know, when they had Jay Ivey there. He, they made a nice little run because the ball was in his hands and he could he could deliver. But uh, you got you got to have good guard play in the NCAA. And last year, I think, even though those freshmen start out looking okay at the beginning of the year, by the end of the year, um, you know they, their weaknesses had been exposed. I think and, and were being taken advantage of heavily in the tournament. Well, let's hope that specifically Braden Smith. But he's got he's got some help this year with Jones, and I think they're. I mean, I'm hoping, like everybody else here, we're, if you guys are watching this, it's all black and gold in this because we're in a Purdue building. That has to happen. They got to get better bringing the press up. Hey, I got both of you guys on. Um, I want to ask you a question about Baker coming out with the NCAA saying that we got to pay everybody at least half the athletes, $30,000, and some other basic changes to how college basketball is going to operate. Caller, before you go, you get a shot. What do you think? Yeah, about uh, four years too late for me or, you know, for, uh, <laughs> for my kids. So uh, I wish you'd been on the scene about five years ago and uh, forward to that the night. But, but he, was know, a sw- gotta- he was a swimmer, right? Yeah, I think Baker's proposing uh, every student-athlete in the Power Five conferences gets thirty grand plus free rides. That they're not saying anything about uh, they're not saying anything about you know room and board and stuff like that. But uh, you know, there's there's no reason it can't be everything plus the thirty grand. The money's there. It's just you know it's the way they want to disrupt. What do you think about that, Rico? I, I would, I would love that. I just text Ray Fell. He said he's going to call in at nine forty-three if he was available to hear his expertise. Also, um, but I would love that on top of uh, per diem, right? On top of unlimited swipes in the in the student center, uh, on top of scholarship. At least I could have some extra money to give to my family if need be. You know, mom or or dad, because some some people in the Power Five needs that dough to take care of their child right beforehand it was you know illegal and you can only use the swipe to take care of like his brothers or sisters because I've had teammates when I was at DePaul and they would bring their families up to the student center and use their meal card because they couldn't get paid um, so I you know I think it it helps a lot of people you know people have their pros and cons but from my experience I saw a lot of people bring their family to the student center um, to help support day by day yeah, I, I don't understand the objections to uh, the general population objections to uh, student athletes getting paid. In fact, you, you can tell an old white guy uh, without ever seeing them because they always bitch about uh, student athletes getting paid. You know, they want they want them all to live in poverty for some unknown reason. So it's crazy to me. But and one last comment: uh, I was really surprised that the Parrish and Sims. Uh, uh, the recruiting comments made by Urban there that uh, 
you know, they got some D2 type looks, but some comments from D1 coaches that uh, right now they didn't have interest, and those were those were sort of mid-major uh, programs too, which uh, surprised me. I thought I thought they could maybe catch on somewhere at that level. Well, both of them yeah. will. Yeah, will get, I mean they're not going to pay for college, but I think his comments were more about how the system has somewhat changed. Five or seven, ten years ago, they would both be looking at a mid-major. D1, but now right. everybody's holding off to see what's available in the portal. And then they're also, you know, so many guys are staying so much longer, you know, they, they kind of got to wait. They the develop, I guess what I got out of that is that developing a player for a year or two is not what they want to do because then the guy might leave anyways. And, and yeah. Urban said yeah. that. Yeah, people and are the, trying to win is, now. Yeah. This is the last year of the COVID fifth year too, so those players will wash out of the system. You mentioned Bowie hanging around. I think he's using his fifth year right now and so Yeah, I think this is his last one, right? Does he got one more? Yeah, Yeah, hopefully because he he beats up Purdue all the time. It's some well off uh, boosters in uh, Evanston. You know, they're going to do whatever it takes. Yeah, that'll be 20% of the uh, student-athlete population that'll not be available again, so that'll boost some more opportunities. And you know, we we saw a Trilly last year for Munster. You know, who had a fantastic high school career around here, and he ended up going D two too. And I think he was another kid that people were saying had mid mid major D one type talent, and and may still have, and may end up in somewhere like that. But uh, you know, I think he he's probably a good camp for where Parish and uh, Sims are at in their recruiting right now. Yeah, he's at. It'll uh, work out for all. Everyone ends up uh, where they belong and doing well. I think. So. All right, man. Thanks for the comments. Yeah. Hey, two one nine. Oh, sorry. Two one nine eight four five eleven hundred. And uh, we are we're recording live here on December sixth of twenty twenty three. It's a Dewan Marrero podcast. If you want to call in, you talk to Rafe. You may call in. Yeah, yeah, I told them, hey, chime in, give your expertise on what they're talking about in the Big Ten studio. That's always nice inside access um, just to hear that that information that they're discussing. But you have some coaches who are over the portal and they just want to develop players and do it the way that they got into coaching. But then now it costs, what, a million dollars for a premium quarterback? Um, You know, in the football landscape and uh, FSU didn't make the uh playoffs but um they should have they said uh if if Deion Sanders was the coach he would have made it and or if either one of those quarterbacks didn't get hurt like that you yeah. know I mean they they ran the table and they didn't get in did you see DeSantis comment no I did not uh, I, I sent it to a few people to ruffle some feathers and uh, uh we got Rafe on the line uh, let's do okay. it huh Rafael, how are you? I'm well. How you doing, Jet? <laughs> I meant what I said the other day, man. You you brought some game on Monday night. First of all, the Boilers look good. That had to help. Oh uh, no, for sure. I appreciate the text. I appreciate you reaching out. But yeah, the Boilers. Uh, it was a good bounce back win. I think those guys. Uh, they understood going to Northwestern how they played, and when you have a. Um, when you have a player-led team, a player a led, a, with the leadership of, like, the Zachies, or Mason Gillia, Ethan Morton, and those guys, Lance Jones even, 
that's how you respond. And you look at Purdue, and yeah, we talk a bunch about their fresh, I mean, their sophomores now with Braden Smith and um, and Fletcher Lawyer, but those older guys play well. Those older guys, I mean, you even look at a guy like Ethan Morton. I mean, a senior, a guy that played eight minutes on the road in a loss at Northwestern, and he comes out in the game at home in Iowa, and he gets five assists, four rebounds, zero turnovers. And that's um, that's when you have real death. Death can't just be players on a roster. It's when the players start to bring you production. You look at Mason Gillis, another senior. He gets 12 points off the bench. He knocks down two threes. So, I mean, Lance Jones gives him 17. Zach gives him 25 and 14. The seniors play well, and that's what you need when you need just back, your team to bounce back. You need the older guys to act like older guys. How about those younger guys, man? Do they got enough? Do they got enough? To, did Jones give them enough in the backcourt? Yeah, Jones. I mean, Jones, I think, gave them more than enough. I think he, um, the way I look at it is offensively, he allows Fletcher Lawyer to go back to just kind of being a natural shooter. Fletcher is a guy that growing up, come off screens, knock down shots, dead-eye shooter, shooter from the parking lot. Last year he was forced to handle the basketball a little a, lo- a little more than he was used to maybe. And it was a little uncomfortable it felt and it looked like. And the smaller guards would get up into him and it would kind of be tough for him. But I think this year with Lance Jones, it gives you somebody else on the perimeter that's scored over 1,500 points. Lance has made over 200 threes. So Lance is going to draw your best perimeter defender, and it's going to allow Fletcher to get even more open shots. It's going to allow him to go back to a natural position. And then um, for Braden offensively, it gives him an extra ball handler. You watch Purdue and you watch Zach Eadie get a rebound. It's who's closer. Is it Braden Smith or is it, is it Lance Jones? And that's who the outlet is going to. So it makes him a faster team in transition. Defensively, he can guard, he can guard more he can guard one through three. You see what he was doing to Boo Booey at Northwestern. After Lance Jones fouls out, Boo Booey goes for 10 points, six in the overtime. And, I mean, Lance Jones had him in good check through majority of the game when he was on him. So, uh, he just – um he helps a lot. He helps on both ends of the floor. He's a leader in the locker room. He's not scared to take big shots. And then, But I do think when Fletcher and Braden, when they're playing well, when they're being players and they're playing confidently – they, they're really good. You look at um, Braden against Marquette, 18, 5, and 5. He's flirted with a couple of triple-doubles. Like against Northwestern, it just wasn't as aggressive. He passed out some of the layups he should have shot. He didn't get into his pull-up jumper. And when things get tight in college basketball, you're on the road and the popcorn starts popping, you, um, you, go, you revert back to what's normal. And they just start to force-feed Zach Eady a little bit. They started to get pushed out. Um, Northwestern guards, their older guards got a little aggressive with them and physical with them, and that last turnover from a Fletcher lawyer was because he was pushed out so far. And you look at Purdue at Northwestern, 17 turnovers, no matter if you out-rebound a team by 25, that's going to get you beat. But, I mean, you go to Fletcher lawyer against Tennessee, 27 points against one of the best defenses in the country, I think they have enough. It's just a matter of taking care of the basketball. They don't they don't lose that game in Northwestern if they just take care of the basketball. And Coach Painter, I know Coach Paint, and I know he stressed that because they're going to sometimes Purdue's best offense can be just getting a shot up instead of turning it over because Zach Eady is the best, probably the best offensive rebounder in the country. It takes you two, three guys to block him out, and that's leads for Mason Gillis, Trey Kaufman, Rennan, those guys, Caleb Ferris to come in and get those rebounds. But 
I think Lance Jones gives them enough in the backcourt. And then you got Miles Coleman. And then you got Cam Heidi. And I think that gives them enough athleticism on the wings and in the open court and having cutters off the post. And I think that's um, what they were missing against Northwestern as well. They didn't um, – nobody started to drive the basketball. And last season, it was post-up. It was three-pointer. It was not a lot of middle play. It was not a lot of guards driving the ball. Fletcher did it some, but not much. And I think this year – with Lance Jones, with Miles Colvin. You should have baseline drive with Miles Colvin getting that dunk against Iowa. They have more of that so they can mix it up. Hey, Jim, when they when, when the Boilermakers took that defeat, Northwestern only had, I believe, three turnovers. They took care of the ball exceptionally yeah. well. I was with Luke Yaklich, uh UIC's head coach, and uh, we were watching some games at, at UIC together. And uh, we were talking about the, the basketball of Purdue and that overtime they had more turnovers than Northwestern did all game. Um, Four turnovers in, but, uh, in, uh, yeah. Yeah. in in overtime. Did you have deja vu about all over again? Because Chris Foreman, Rafael knows this name. He's like over the media and um, all the personnel at Purdue. But he put on Facebook, no one on social media has ever lost a game because everyone was just having a relapse about Purdue. And then I want to know your take and Rafael's take. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not convinced. My dad was on earlier, as you well know, both you guys. You know, by the way, everyone's calling us right now. Hang on. We'll get to you guys, all right? Um, we're, we're taping this on December 6th of 2023, so you can call. My dad is fully convinced, kind of like Rafael is here, that adding Jones to the backcourt kind of elevates Braden and even when you put Ethan Morton back there sometimes, and certainly with Fletcher Lawyer. I'm not convinced, Rafael, that they have the kind of, I mean, I think we're going to see against Arizona when they play here in a couple of weeks here, uh, what really, uh, you know, a good guard team shows. I just don't think they're beefy enough yet, and they don't have enough experience, and they're playing against 23-year-and-a-half Boo Booey. He's halfway to being in the pros right now. <laughs> they're not at that level, and that still worries me. Front court, I think they're fine. Your thoughts, Rafael? Well, no, I think uh, you look at Brandon Smith, and Brandon Smith is the only player in the country right now averaging 11.7 rebounds and seven assists and six rebounds. So I think, um, I mean, he's the first player since Lonzo Ball to do that. It's only been three players since 2003. Denzel Valentine, Lonzo Ball, and now Brandon Smith to have those type of numbers. So, he gives them enough. I think you look at the teams they beat in Maui and the guard play. You look at Tennessee. Tennessee probably has one of the best backcourts in the country. Um, Zaga probably Gonzaga probably has, you know, uh, one of the best offenses in the country. Then you look at Marquette. I mean, people say you can say pick who you want, but Tyler Kolick is normally who you would say is the best point guard in the country. And Braden outplayed Tyler Kolick in that game and got the win. So I think Braden is enough at the point. I think Lance Jones – it's not about, um, I guess, it's not necessarily about who you're playing. It's about how they guard you. Because with Lance Jones, a guy that's made over 200 threes in his career, it doesn't necessarily mean, doesn't necessarily matter what he's doing right now. You just have to guard him because of the scouting report. You know he's made 200 threes. You know he can get hot. You know he scored over 1,500 points. So defensively on a scouting report, you close out to him. And what that does is it opens up the court for everybody else. Last season, and I love Ethan Morton, but there will be times, and I was this way when I was a player, there will be times where teams decide not to guard you. And teams will decide not to guard me 
and they would double-team Isaac Haas. They would double-team Biggie or AJ. And even last season, teams decided not to guard Ethan Morton. And you'll see it even a little bit this year. But now you have Lance Jones on that court, on that wing. You can't decide not to guard Lance Jones. You see what happened in the Iowa game, those 14 points in that second half. He can really get going in a big way. And now Fletcher Lawyer is a, is a 40% three-point shooter. His legs aren't going to die as soon as they did last season because now he's not asked to – he's asked to defend at a high level, but he's not asked to guard the best perimeter player anymore. Now you have Lance Jones for that. Now Fletcher Lawyer doesn't have to worry about extended energy handling the basketball. It saves Braden energy because now you have a secondary prime basketball handler. Last year, Braden Smith was the only point guard on the team. Now Braden Smith can steal some minutes on the bench and you get Lance Jones in there. So I think that helps them. But when you think about Arizona is really good, but, but I mean, Marquette is, Marquette's backcourt is really good with Kolick and Cam Jones. Those are two NBA caliber type players. You look at Vasquez and, I mean, um, you look at Connect at Tennessee. That's the NBA. Connect is the NBA guy. So they face really good backcourts. And Boo Booey, you look at Boo Booey and Northwestern, their backcourt had to have the best games of their careers all on the same night to beat Purdue. Boo Booey gets them 31. I mean, Ty Berry gets them 20. I don't – Ty Berry maybe hasn't scored 20 in many games in his college career. Brian Langborn has – well, Ryan Langborn came into the game shooting 22% from three, and he knocks down three for five, and he gets him 22 points. So their guards had a really special night. They combined for 72 points on, I mean, on super efficiently. So I think um, I don't, I think that's an anomaly, and I also think Boo Booey is one of the better point guards in the country. But I don't think the um, when it comes to experience and when it comes to age, Brandon Smith and Fletcher Lawyer aren't your normal sophomores. They're not like Trey Kaufman-Wren even, where Trey Kaufman-Wren didn't play that many minutes last season. Those two guys played on the number one team in the country last season. That's a lot of experience. That's 30 games of 30 minutes. They're basically juniors this season. So I want to look at them as sophomores in that landscape. They're not your traditional, he played five minutes as a freshman, he split time as a freshman, now he has to do more as a sophomore. Those guys had a really successful, a really good freshman campaign, and mentally they're a little farther ahead than normal freshman. Kind of like a, and you look at Bruce Thornton from Ohio State in that same realm where all those minutes last year really helped him through his sophomore year. Doug McDaniel at Michigan is kind of that same way as well. But just because the numbers don't show it, I think physically they're more, they're better than last year. It's just going to come down to taking care of the basketball. Brandon Smith against Northwestern, they're still in that game. I mean, you have all those turnovers, but they turn it over three times, three, four times in overtime, and those turnovers lead to six points. Northwestern turned it over zero times in overtime and three times for the whole game. And I think it, didn't come, I think it just came down to that. Ray Fell, this is a Purdue station. You got to tell us who decided not to guard you. Oh, I mean, it was a lot of teams that decided not to guard me. I mean, I'll just, I mean, just be honest. My senior year, my senior year, there was teams that made that decision to close out short. They because we played with AJ and Biggie at the same time, so you had to make a decision. I mean, there were. Uh, I mean, you look at Michigan State. Michigan State, the game, the game, one of the better games of my career. I hit six threes 
I mean, that's not on accident. Tom Izzo just didn't guard me at first. And then they, once I started making shots, then they switched the matchups. Then I get a better defender on me and things like that. So sometimes as coaches, I mean, you look at Purdue and there will be times where, like I said, we just played Michigan State and A.J. Hammonds, who's seven feet, will guard Tum Tum Nair, who's five seven. So sometimes coaches just got to play that chess match and find out who the matchup is. If you can't shoot, but you have a lot of other perimeter players, or even like a Wisconsin, we put myself on Sam Decker, Vince Edwards with a guard, Frank Kaminsky, a seven-footer, and then A.J. Hammonds guard Nigel Hayes, a perimeter player. So it's just a, um, it's more of a matchup thing. Jeez, that's going back. That's a lot of names, and I remember all of them. Uh, Ray Fell, thanks. You got anything else there for him, uh, Rico? Uh, I'm, I promised to take a nap midday, Ray, so we can hang out this evening. We were supposed to hang out <laughs> yesterday, and um, he didn't leave the studio till 11, and I was asleep because I had to come up here to they the are studio. Working you. They are working <laughs> you, Ray Fell. I, I literally went to sleep for two hours after the Purdue game and walked in to go after turn the TV off, and you were still on, man. <laughs> So no, it's a lot of fun. I'm uh, I'm lucky to be in the position I'm in, and uh, I'm having fun with it day by day. But if anybody, I am actually I have a nonprofit foundation, True Life Incorporated. Anybody out there, if you're listening, we are uh, we're, we're sponsoring dinners to families for Christmas and toys for kids for for less fortunate. How so do they How do they you, find it? You can get information from. You can reach out to me one at um, truelifefoundation at gmail dot com. Uh, you can visit RayfieldDavisBasketball.com. We're having our Christmas break camp, as usual, free basketball camp in the community. So we're um, trying to come back up to the region and have some camps as well and do some stuff for the area. So we're, uh, if you ever looking for me on Twitter, RayfieldDavis3, I always respond. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Ray. I appreciate it. Yep. yep. I imagine that's a lot of fun when you guys get together. Yeah, yeah. He was like, hey, hit me up. And I was like, man, I was, I was asleep because I went to this spot called uh, Bird's Nest with a few of my coworkers yesterday. Got some wings and, and watched the game. And um, But, yeah, I went to sleep. Let's take a couple of phone calls. Hey, you're on the air. Go ahead. Morning. Hello, you're on the air. What's going on? Oh, hey, uh, this is Dave. And I just want to make a comment about stipends for athletes. I think it's long overdue. I think that uh, what an easy way for them to do this is to tie the stipend to a multiple of the stipend that Pell Grant students get from through the federal government. And that way it would be adjusted on an annual basis and there wouldn't be any controversy about it. But I think by providing a stipend, you offset some of the impact of the differences of different kids' NIL money they're going to bring in. And I think that's a real issue with locker room morale. Uh, it was just watching the way these teams are playing now and even watching them practice. So I think it's long overdue. I think they should also provide a voucher for some transportation so that if the kid's been recruited five states away from their home, that they've got the money to be able a voucher that allows them to fly home a few times a year. I think these are all good and reasonable things that could have been done a long time ago. You know, you get to the core of remunerating kids. And I think that you are, you know, one of the callers called in and you could tell like the old basketball purists, they don't want to give them any money. They kind of want them just to stay, you know, the way the system is. You, you, at some point, it's an attitude more than an actual solution. Do you agree? Uh, I think it is from a fan standpoint. But if you, you know, I spent 11 years in college basketball. 
I worked for Coach Knight for four of those years. And we did it the right way. And to see young guys from uh, families without a lot of resources struggling to get along day by day and just have a few bucks for gas for the car or a meal on a Sunday night when the dorm cafeteria is closed, and yet these kids are do, providing tremendous value to the university. So I think people just have to recognize that, you know, 50 years ago, maybe it all worked out okay, but today, where kids are being recruited across the country, uh, you've got a lot of kids without a lot of economic means. And I think it just stabilizes the opportunity for that, that young man or woman as a college athlete to perform well and represent the university well. And I, so I, I think it's a fairness to the kids, and it's good for the university at the same time, and it's just an, a, an evolution of the way college sports are functioning. Just like I think they should separate college football from the rest of all of the rest of college sports because these alignment of conferences based on football is terrible for the rest of the major college sports, in my opinion. Now you're getting somewhere. Uh, I agree on that part. Uh, and they, if they did separate it and put it into some sort of different alignments, uh, that would make it better on the volleyball and the soccer and, and the wrestling and that kind of stuff. But, you know, at the very core, Rico, you didn't get paid. No. You had no and I know it was, a, it was a struggle for it, you. It was a struggle in Lincoln Park, you know, being at DePaul and Moorhead State, right, asking mom for, for some dough to go to a restaurant because student center's close during the winter when we have to practice during winter break. And, you know, the, the team would try to cater a meal, but that doesn't provide when you want snacks, right? A lot of us don't really know how to go grocery shopping as you should in, in college, and you're trying to go to the student center, use your swipe, but they're not open because it's Christmas break. And uh, the school can't really give you money because it's illegal. So it's just like, hey, just wait until this time to eat. Um, so I'm, I'm happy for the kids now that, like uh, like he said, get a stipend um, to be able to at least eat and bring their families with them. Well, there's an example of what you were talking about. Thanks for the call, man. We, hey, wait, wait, I had a question. You worked for Knight for four years? How was that? It was fabulous. I was his head manager, co-head manager for two of those four years. Give a quick a story. Tremendous experience. Has, did he ever uh, yell at like, you? Uh, of course. How I did you respond when, when, he, when he yelled at you? How did you process it I, in that time? I listened to what he said, not how he said it. It was real simple. That's awesome. You always listen to Coach Knight. What was he actually trying to tell you? not how he was getting it across to you. And, and, and when he did, when he went off on me, I, I expected it and I earned it because I didn't perform. You know, your, your, the, the head coach that was on from uh, uh, Chesterton said it, and, and I, I was at Indiana with Royce Walden as a manager when Royce was an assistant coach. Um, it was all about expectations and performance and accountability. So if I didn't meet my the expectation of performance with Coach Knight, I was going to hear about it no different than a player or an assistant coach. And by the way, he held himself to the same standard, which I don't think people fully understand. He, he, he was very hard on himself about his own performance and what had to get done. And we learned it. You know, I, 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 my whole life has been shaped by my experiences of working for Bob Knight for four years. Do you wish it we had? Do you wish it would have gone different for him uh, in the last twenty years of his life here in Indiana? 
you know, I, I, I think the game of basketball was changing around Coach Knight and the nature of sports. And I think as happened to his predecessors like Claire B and all those guys and Joe Lapchick, the, the sport changes around you. And I think it was getting harder and harder for Coach and his style to be in tune with the way things were in, in the world of college sports and the nature of college sports and what even fans and universities expect. So, um, you know, what, how things ended up with Coach and IU and all, I'm just happy as hell that he moved back to Bloomington. Uh, I got to see him at the house a number of times over the last few years, and it was phenomenal to be able to be able to do that and have the convenience of seeing him again. And it's sad now that you just know he's not there and I can't do that now. It's kind of like losing a, the greatest uncle you've ever had or, or even almost a parent. You just knew that you, could re, that you could rely on Coach, and when he was there, he was always a standard bearer for you. Even in my job today running my own company, every day I think about how am I supposed to perform and what's the expectation on me as a leader in my company, just like I watched Bob Knight do it for four years. Wow. Thanks a lot, man. We appreciate it. Talk to you. Absolutely. Have a great day. Love your show. Thanks. It's actually Dewan Marrero's show right now. With Jim Delo, I may change my cover art and, and have your, your face with me on, really? the, on the cover art. You know what? You're all credible and, you know, thin and looking good and well, not dressing well. And then you're going to have this dumpy looking old no. white guy in there with a, with a gray goatee. That's going to ruin that, it. That seems like art to me. Hey, uh, man. Nice canvas. Been a great podcast. Yeah, it was great. Um, the, the impromptus are, are much better, and everyone's aware of headlines, right? That's the best thing is when you can ask a human a question and have them deep thought. I was very proud of Ray for being long-winded on his answers, explaining. And, and you could tell he's been in the studio when they bounce it back to him and they're in his ear to tell Ray, like, all right, you know, we're about to go on commercial. Um, and you could tell he's – He's been wired that way, and um, I'm very proud of him because I could tell how he's been just oh. expanding on his, his you analysis. You heard it right there. You heard confidence. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, you know, two, three years ago when we did this, you know, he was, you know, he just was a little bit more tentative. Right. Now it's like, hey, you know what? I know the game. I felt like that when I was texting him about his confidence. It's like, dude, you're the man now. Act like it. Yeah. They're sending it to you. What's that one guy for ESPN, a tall, uh, bald guy? Steve Van Pelt? N no, the other one. Um, he, Jay Billis? Jay Billis. Yeah. Billis, yeah. Billis is like every time he talks, something controversial could come out of his mouth just because he's, he's so good. You know yeah. what I mean? And he's like, well, this is what I think. And, quite, and you know what? He was a kind of a precursor to all this NIL and pl and paying players. And remember when Northwestern tried to unionize, he was kind of behind all that. Yeah. And now, who knows what's going to happen. Man, you missed the boat. I know. I, I did. And, you know, luckily I'm trying to make up for it now with the basketball teams when they, you know, want to have me around. And it's like, you know, NIL dividends that, that comes with that. So um, I appreciate it. It allows me to leverage myself when, you know, when I help teams and, um, uh, 
like you said, you mentioned this before, like the the universe is always ongoing and you got to find a rhythm to adjust. And you found it, man. Hey, I've been on I've been on the air for about five hours uh, now, so uh, I'm going to call it a day. Man, we've been over an hour. This is our longest one. Yeah, we did. You know, I started watching the Pat McCaffrey show on, on ESPN from 11 to 1, and he just comes up there with a tank top on and um, to a certain degree has freedom of speech. And um, I've been at WOW listening to his show, and it gives me a lot of confidence coming up on here. And hey, Speaking of confidence, you got it too, man. You're just oh. like, all right, let's start. By the way, I'm not the normal producer. I'm actually producing this today, so I don't even know how to play his music. Let's play the Christmas music. <laughs> that, I, I prefer that um, just to just to get me in the, the All Christmas right, well, spirit. Let's call it on it. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Uh, on. Thank you. All right, guys. Here's some. Uh, this is uh, Linda Menzel. Baby, it's cold outside. To finish it off, and it, it isn't cold outside. It's like really warm in the Midwest. Yeah. I'm this has been the Dewan Marrero podcast. Uh, thanks a lot for letting me on. No, I appreciate you. Baby, it's cold outside. The answer is no one. But baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> the welcome has been How lucky that you so dropped in. nice and warm. Look.